You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Stebbings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and a very good evening to you. And it's uh, Neville Bounds here and it's uh, episode 258 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. And uh, joining me this week... Well, obviously, we have a man down by the sounds of things. Uh, we do. Carlos is not uh, not around tonight. No. Due to some uh, operational difficulty. <laughs> uh, he has uh, contracted the dreaded man flu. And um, I know. But, and, uh, uh, there it is. Uh, look, there it is. The, the little, the lonely microphone all on its own. Just there. So well, that looks really a, weird. My arm appears to have... <laughs> this is very weird. <laughs> His arms appeared out of... No, anyway, so I'm not going to do that. I don't like it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, Carlos was in the chat room earlier, but he's told us, uh, again, he's not feeling at all well, so no, he's gone he's back not. to bed. So uh, so the poor chaps, we've been giving him a bit of stick this evening, but in fact, uh, he's not very well. So I think that he's in the best place there, don't you? Yes, absolutely. I think so. So, yes, so uh, you're in charge tonight, Nev. <laughs> I know that's very worrying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. And sorry, we we're a bit late starting. We've yes. had one of those one of those sort of evenings where we started in plenty of time yes. uh, to prepare everything, and we had yes. a bit of internet fiddling and router weirdness going on, didn't we? Indeed, yes. Yeah. So I'm going to be looking at firmwares and things later on, but we are here and we are ready to go, and uh, it. Um, it's safe to say that, uh, as I say, even our guest this evening has had a couple of technical issues. I think as well. It's a, it's yes, fair to indeed. say. Well, just before we introduce uh, our guest, uh, Armando as well. Are you there, sir? Yes. Hi, guys. Happy Friday night. Uh, happy to be back Excellent. yet again. Yeah, thanks very much indeed. And uh, good to see you back. Looking forward to some military news later on. That'll be great. And uh, we've also got a very special guest on the show today. And uh, you've seen him before and also his partner in crime. Uh, but uh, very pleased to welcome back onto the show, Matt from the A320 podcast. Hello, Matt. Hi, guys. Thanks very much for having us. Not sure special guest is uh, fitting, but uh, yeah, great to be oh, here I and I look forward to a great evening. Yeah, great stuff. So uh, we're going to be talking to you a bit later on, Matt, about the sorts of things you've been up to and what have you. And uh, we had the pleasure of the company of your partner in crime. I don't know if, pleasure, I don't know if pleasure is the right well, word. I don't, I don't. <laughs> yes, he's listening in. He's driving at the moment. He's on a long six-hour journey. So if you're listening, Andy, I uh, hope it's going well. Yeah, safe, safe driving, please, matey. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, he said he might be in the chat room at some point as well. Yes. So uh, I, I can't imagine uh, the <laughs> inappropriate comments will be going from him. I can say, I, we haven't started that late. If he's on a six-hour drive, we haven't started late enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, we had a very good day yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so it was Matt um, Smith, myself. Uh, Graham Haley and uh, Andy from the AC20 podcast. We were all down at the Broadcast Video Expo at Docklands yesterday, which was a very, uh, very good event. Lots of tech, lots of stuff, 
lots of stuff we can't afford. Of, yeah, of course, course, yeah. But we yeah. still enjoyed looking at it. Well, um, but to be fair, we both we both left with a few ideas, didn't we, of, of how to sort of you certainly. know, in, yes. you know, improve. Uh, that that's what these things are all about, isn't it? It's the various bits of kit that I want to get my hands on anyway at some point. Carlos, get your checkbook out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's no, good. Uh, good stuff to see you down there. And uh, yeah, I had a nice bit of lunch with the guys and. Um, then Andy turned up at about uh, four-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, went downhill uh, from there, really, uh, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, a light tail. Yeah, good time. Yes. Well, because I was on the train, you see. I was in a very unusual situation because I wasn't driving anywhere. Uh, and, and I had a taxi picking me up from the train station, the mum, obviously. Uh, and it was, uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, I had three pints of cider. I did. I was quite squiffy by the time I got to the train. Oh, my <laughs> word. <laughs> That's a lot by your standards it is absolutely yes yes so uh let us have a look then so uh i think it's time to look at the commercial news segment so if we are ready matt uh yes we certainly are yeah good excellent well let's go then Well, starting off on the flightglobal.com uh, website, uh, and it says that uh, the U.S. National Transportation Safety Board has released video and photographs showing the debris field left by Atlas Air Flight 3591 that crashed southeast of Houston, killing three people on the 23rd of February. Uh, and the uh, NTSB's video, which was released on the 25th of February, it shows a, shows a wide swathe of wreckage strewn about what appears to be marshland and shallow water. The debris looks uh, to consist mostly of small pieces of the Boeing 767-300ER freighter, though some larger pieces, including sections of the aircraft fuselage, are visible in the video. Photographs show NTSB investigators surveying the site using drones and pictures also show NTSB staff working from airboats using locator equipment in an effort to pick up beacons from the aircraft's flight data and cockpit voice recorders. Uh, the NTSB has not provided an investigation update since the 24th of February uh, when NTSB Chair Robert Sumwelt said his team recovered security video showing the aircraft diving towards the ground in a steep nose-down attitude. The uh, NTSB will eventually release that video, he said. Uh, the NTSB's top priority is to recover the black boxes and uh, the 737-300ERF uh, aircraft, registration November 1217 Alpha, crashed into Trinity Bay about 26 nautical, nautical miles southeast of Houston's George Bush Intercontinental Airport. And the aircraft was operating a flight from Miami to Houston, uh, but the distress, sorry, the pilots uh, did not issue a distress call. And uh, Atlas Air parent, uh, Air Atlas Air Worldwide Holdings, has confirmed three people on board the aircraft have died, unfortunately. So a bit of a mystery. Um, not too much speculation in the press, I've noticed, just for a change. And I think it's almost impossible to speculate what, what's happened here. What do you think, mm. uh, Matt? I, I mean, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? There, there, there's no two ways about it. There's... Uh... 
Uh, I, 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 you know, sometimes when you say, you know, it's a, a large sort of spray of debris, but actually the video really does show quite... So we were playing that out while uh, while you were reading the story, Nev. And, uh, I mean, the, 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 the debris field is quite vast, isn't it? I mean, it really did scatter itself over a... Uh, a large area. I mean, does it does it surmise uh, anything as to actually what happened? So, uh, I, yeah. don't think, I think it, I think it's difficult to, to say, isn't it? What do you think, uh, Armando? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, before we even talk about it, you know, thoughts to the uh, Atlas. Of course, Air yeah. Um, I know I have uh, three close friends that work for Atlas Air, um, so they're uh, not the biggest airline. So it, it really, when something like this happens, it really um, affects mm. the entire airline and also not mentioned uh, in the news is the third person on board was a Mesa Airlines captain we just talked about Mesa Airlines last episode um, so he was just uh, heading to work from Miami to Houston um, so he was in, in the jump seat when the aircraft had this incident so uh, in addition to Atlas our thoughts go out to the Mesa Airlines family mm. um, you know. Well, and thoughts out to everybody involved in, uh, you know, either involved in or dealing with uh, this incident because it, it isn't. Uh, it's it's an awful thing, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. It's not something Such that we want to get used to, I suppose, is it? I mean, the, the other thing I would say it does sort of show how. Um, you know, these events are very rare, aren't they? I mean, you think how many are actually in the air at the time, uh, whether it be cargo or, or passengers. I mean, I, I suppose you could, uh, yeah, I, we just need to know what happened, don't we? I think that's the... Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a rare event. And, uh, you know, despite whether it's a air, uh, commercial airline, a uh, cargo carrier, uh, it's it's going to be a long investigation. The ter the terrain or, or the, the area where the aircraft... Or, went down is not actually the easiest area to access because it's mm. too shallow for large boats um it's it's sort of varies between a foot and five feet of water and it's incredibly muddy it's just sort of the swamps of south texas there uh so i i have seen a few speculations here and here and there like like nev was saying there's not a lot in the in the media about it but uh it's just certainly way too early to um, you know, say anything about about the causes. Mm. Indeed. Yeah, and the, these investigations uh, are very lengthy, and sometimes they come out with a, an interim report, uh, but sometimes they wait until they've actually got all all of the facts and all the details. Um, yeah. And uh, quite, uh, I've noticed, uh, and Neil Lamwell mentioned it in the chat room just now. Actually, he says, "I wonder if the press." are less interested because it's a cargo flight. Now, I think there's there's a bit to be said for that. Oh, because it's not involving passengers, well, perhaps. Yeah. Well, obviously, three people have, have lost their lives. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, it, it almost feels as though it's it's not sensational enough for, for, for some of the press. Uh, and it was uh, quite a long while, actually, before some of the mainstream media picked it, it up at all. was actually picking it up, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Uh, I must admit, my, my only being aware of it was through, uh, you know, our, our network of... Um, of you know, I, th I think it was. I think both Matt and Armando. I think you both more or less pushed it at the same time, and uh, or Andy anyway. But it was just one of those. It's as you say, you sort of surprised really. Where, given how excitable the media tends to to get whenever it involves uh, any kind of aviation and an incident of any nature. I mean, I mean you. <laughs> You you see uh, posts and squawks and tweets, you know, like you know, there's obviously somebody in the newsroom just watching, watching flight radar twenty four basically, 
Um, and um, yeah, as you say, you sort of. Have you got any thoughts uh, thoughts on this, Matt? Uh, I'm not asking you to speculate at all, but uh, any any initial thoughts here? Um, well, yeah, cargo is always not really interesting to the news, is it? Um, mm. The media can't evoke any fear in anyone from a cargo going down because there's no passengers involved. So uh, I think it's quite common that if there's a cargo cr incident or crash, it never often makes the news. It's normally only in our own circles. I think it made the news a lot more in America. Um, but yeah, I don't think the UK or Europe media were that bothered, were they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, as you say, no, but right. people have still yeah. lost their lives, haven't they? So it yeah. shouldn't really make any difference. No. Um, yeah. Anyway, perhaps we should uh, move yes. on. Yes. And uh, of course, uh, the second story is for you, Matt, and it's a Ryanair story. Just for a change, yes. And this is on a website. Yeah. I don't know. I do. One of these days, I'm going to sit down with Carlos and just find out where he gets his news stories from because this is in TG, TTGmedia.com. I. I <laughs> Anyway, no. uh, the headline is Ryanair wins flight compensation court battle following summer strike disruptions. So Ryanair was not duty-bound to compensate passengers affected by the internal strike action, which disrupted the budget carrier's schedule last summer. Her court has ruled. Uh, Swords District Council in Dublin has ruled no EU261 compensation was due to customers whose flights were delayed or cancelled due to the industrial action as the strikes were beyond the airline's control. Uh, is that really? Yeah, anyway, uh, Ryanair said that it was fully compliant with EU 261 and reaccommodated or refunded all the customers affected by the disruption. The airline added it that it assisted passengers where necessary with accommodation, meals and rerouting. Ryanair Chief Executive, Marketing Executive Officer Kenny Jacobs said, we welcome this ruling confirming no compensation is payable to customers when strike delay slash cancellation is beyond the airline's control. If these strikes uh, by a tiny minority of Ryanair crew were within Ryanair's control, there would be no strikes and no delays or cancellations. Jacobs added the ruling mirrored decisions Spain made in Spain. Now, hmm, how do we feel about well, that one then, ladies and gents? Well, there's, you know, <laughs> uh, some precedents to be set here as well, isn't it, I suppose, but... Uh, mm. Um, what about the airline that you fly for, uh, Matt? What, um, would, would there be a similar situation there, do you think, if, if this happened? Uh, well, any business is going to try and avoid paying. Well, of course they are. I mean, I'm a bit... Uh, there's two sides to this, isn't there? I think EU261's got a lot of faults. Um, you know, there are situations where you can pay €29 Euros for a flight and then get... 250 euros compensation and it's things like that that made like Primera go bust and yeah. things like that. So I think there's a lot of negatives um, to the actual compensation scheme. Is this Ryanair out of Ryanair's control? I think it could be argued either way, couldn't they? Yeah. They didn't control the strike, but they caused yeah. the strike in the first place, didn't they? <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, this, this is it. I mean, it, it is. It is their their employees, if you like, disagreeing with um, you know their methods. I suppose, for want of a better word. So, yeah. you know, perhaps if work and pay conditions and everything were were more suitable, they wouldn't be on strike. So, does that mean that you know it's beyond Ryanair's control? No, is the short exactly. answer. Cause... And they they sort of chose to accept strike action by not agreeing at mm. whatever meetings they had or anything, didn't they? So. 
they knew that if they didn't negotiate with the with the staff that it would cause strikes so yeah. i don't know it like you like you say nev it's it's a difficult one with the precedent being set isn't it because if uh if it was taken the other way then it would be that uh crew could just strike and uh the airline would be more likely to have to cave in to the union so i don't know it's uh, I mean, it's not an easy one is it does anybody know off the top of their head i mean so i mean okay we, we... Let, let's put the model of of, of low cost airlines to to, to one side. Uh, say like let, let's go, say go with a, a legacy carrier like uh, BA. I mean, I mean, strike action has taken place obviously with BA, BA before. Were did they pay out on EU two six one as a result? Yeah, I don't. I don't I know. It, no, nor do I. I, I think it, it very much depends on you know the, the set of circumstances and, and what have you. Mm. It's probably difficult to have a general ruling. Obviously, e, EU two six one is there for you know most cases, and I think well, a lot of airlines might choose to challenge that in in certain cases as well because obviously the uh, uh, the payouts are substantial. On the mm. other hand, of course, BA's fares, generally speaking, are higher than Ryanair's, so. Um, Maybe the, uh, I must admit, the difference I, isn't quite right. I didn't realise that there was a there was um, I sort of assumed because I don't, I have to confess I mean I, I've been lucky I've never been in a situation where I've needed to invoke EU two six one for any of the flights that I've ever done but I it, it does seem rather unfair to expect I, I suppose the comp the the compensation is for out of pocket expenses not just the flight I I guess is that is that the why why the payouts are bigger than you know for a 30, 30 well, quid I think flight they have to do that on top of eu 261 so they still have to provide the um accommodation and the alternative transport right. the 261 is purely just um i think it was set up in good faith but i think it needs to maybe be proportional to what you paid for your ticket because you can't have compensation well, yeah. 10 times what you paid because like i say that's one of the main factors for primera going bust is that they were often delayed mm. and they were ending up paying 10 times what they earned on the yeah. flight in the EU 261. So, I mean, the other argue is don't be late, but... Uh, yeah, although, although to be fair, there are situations where, where it isn't actually the airline's fault as to the reason why the, the, the flight is delayed. I mean, it could be, uh, you know, it, well, uh, we, we mentioned the word strike action, but I mean, some... Some flights, presumably, you know, if you've got um, the, the, the uh, French air traffic controllers, are rather, rather enjoy a strike. I think it's uh, fair to, yeah, to say they wouldn't that. have to pay under that. So it's only if um, it's the airline's fault. So if it's right. outside the airline's control, then they don't have to pay it. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. Yeah. So which is what Ryanair were arguing here is that the strike action was outside of their control, so they don't have to pay it. Ah. Okay, see, yeah. it's, every day's a school day. You learn something new every day. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely right. So, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, well, moving on to the, the next story, uh, which I will take because it was my story anyway. And it just happens to be a BA one. Of course so it is. Yes. I have to talk about it. Uh, it's on Flight Global. And um, it says that British Airways is ordering up to 42 Boeing 777-9s to modernise the UK flag carrier's long-haul fleet. Uh, 18 aircraft are firm orders, complemented by another 24 as options. And the twin jets will be fitted with 325 seats 
in a four-class configuration. BA parent IAG has disclosed the decision. It says that the 777-9s will be used to replace 14 Boeing 747-400s as well as four 777-200s over the course of 2022 to 2025. All of the uh, 777-9s will be powered by General Electric GE9X engines and the agreement includes a comprehensive support package, says IAG. IAG's chief executive, Willie Walsh, says the 777-9 is the ideal replacement for the 747. And I think this is just another case of the appetite for fewer engines um, and obviously the reliability that they get with the ETOPS uh, um, configuration these days um, because of the fuel efficiency of two engines being better than four, but also the increased um, technical advances of it as well. So it's interesting to see that although the 747s are going to be phased out, I think it's 2024 this year, they're actually replacing them uh, not with 380s, uh, as we were talking about on last week's show, but uh, with these new series of uh, Dash 9 triple seven so uh, what do you think armando this is a a overall theme going on here isn't there i think yeah absolutely i was looking up the specifications for the triple seven dash nine and uh, once you start adding up the increased efficiency you know between the engines the new wings it was it's similar i guess it's i was reading it's similar to the uh, 787 wing just with less sweep um, same composite materials and I, I think absolutely. Once you start adding up all those uh, cost savings for that aircraft, it, it's a ideal replacement for the seven four. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't it was um, four hundred people. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty big uh, pretty big stretch, isn't it? So um, yeah, interesting stuff. So uh, well, you're going to take the uh, the next story for us, uh, Armando, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So this is from Thrillist.com. And I think uh, some of us saw, saw this on uh, YouTube or some of the other medias, but uh, an airline sues a passenger for tossing coins in a plane engine for good luck. Uh, <laughs> flying while extremely safe can be a scary experience. Some people sim simply can't wrap their minds around a giant metal tube traveling through the sky at high speeds. Uh, that's where personal rituals like carrying comforting objects or taking deep breaths I think we've talked about emotional support animals, uh, but there are plenty of harmless ways to soothe your flight anxiety. Tossing coins into the engine, however, is not one of them. Uh, one frightened flyer learned the hard way, according to a report from The Independent. Lucky Air is now suing this passenger for gumming up the works with a change ahead of a flight from Anqing to Kunming, China on the 17th of February. Officials became aware of the issue after they discovered a couple of one uh, yuan coins on the tarmac near the airplane. The passenger uh, claims he did it to bring good luck to himself and his fellow passengers, including his wife and child, in a separate report. Uh, what he got was quite the opposite. Coin tossing, which I didn't know this, is a common Chinese good luck ritual that's also popular in other parts of the world. People typically toss coins in fountains, however, not plane engines no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah it goes on to talk about obviously the damage that a coin could cause in, a, in an yeah. aircraft engine and he uh, it, it caused more than $20,000 in damages to the aircraft and I don't think it 
I don't know that it was running. I, it can't possibly have been running if, if they were boarding, but mm. uh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you know, it, it's a it's a very sweet gesture, essentially, that has backfired horribly. I think it's, uh, you know, I mean, when I was in Rome um, with Owen, we went to the Trevi Fountain and we threw in, you know, the mandatory euro coin. I mean, that's what you do. And you then make a wish and and off you go. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, a, a part of me is is a little bit concerned that that the person didn't think that there could be any ramifications from throwing a metal object into a turbine engine. Uh, well, I'd love to hear Matt's take on this, you know, flying with all kinds of different passengers. And you, we kind of, we love the, what we do, but we kind of forget that a lot of people are flying for the first time ever at the age of 76. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, you can be at the end of your week, uh, four flights every day, five days, you're on the last one, you know, you've done 20 flights that week and you do get, you know, I suppose you get a bit blasé about what you're doing compared to... I, my favourite thing about this story is the irony of the name of the airline. <laughs> Lucky. Yeah, <right. laughs> yes, yes, well spotted. Yes, I didn't get that. Yes. You couldn't make it up, could you? No, no you, you couldn't. You didn't really no. need to toss a coin in with that name, did you? No, no, absolutely. Ought, the, the clue ought to be already there. You should, you should yeah, have exactly. all the luck you need there already, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, it's easy for many of us to get annoyed, you know, especially flying yeah. long haul. You get on a BA flight or something, you're going to be sitting next to somebody for, for nine hours and, and uh, you realise that, they're, you know, maybe they're their routine is not the same as your routine and the pillows are all over the place and the, their electronics are all over the place. And then you sort of realize, well, this, this really may be the, the, the person's first flight ever, especially long haul or something like that. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. You still think that most people would assume that throwing a coin into an engine is a bad idea with, you know, <laughs> you don't have to be an, an engineer for that. Do you? <laughs> Well, you'd no, hope not. Yeah. You'd hope not. You'd sort of hope that it was, you know, sort of, again, it sort of like, seems like common sense would, would but then I, I suppose it's it's not a, a custom or a ritual that we're perhaps overly familiar with here, so perhaps we're, we're being unfairly, um, you know, derog derogatory about said incident, but... Uh, <laughs> They can what? throw them into the flight well, deck if they want. That would be quite good. Right. Okay. They just get yeah. them to chuck them all in the flight door <laughs> yeah. as they will pass. Yeah, yeah it'll okay. be a bit of a tip. Yeah, indeed. You were chort chortling there, Nev. What, what, what have you discovered? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was just, just thinking that, uh, that, that I'd like to see that as, you know, people, I mean, I mean um, uh, Pip was saying, wasn't he, on, on a podcast a while ago, that occasionally people uh, try and tip the flight crew on some of the flights that he does. But uh, I don't know whether it'd be quite the same thing. Uh, yeah. or not. I, I know a lot, a lot of cabin crew um, will quite often bring gifts for other cabin crew when they fly with different airlines mm. that that's a that yeah. seems to be a thing certainly with um you know sort of cabin crew that i know uh, mainly chocolate it seems that seems to be the popular thing is to bring them you know you think yeah, yeah surely you get sick of air, air airport toblerone but uh, apparently not <laughs> yes exactly well the, the, uh, the next story uh, a, a donut a donut right okay. yeah <laughs> Crispy yes, cream. that will be They're nice. always like a crispy cream. Uh, a bit of quality, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you're going nice. to have a donut, may as well nice. have the best. Exactly. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Go for the premium product. 
Uh, well, uh, on the um, so the next story, uh, Matt, if you mind taking this, and this is on the the Jet Two dot com website. Mean that? Uh, Which Matt? Uh, yes. Sorry, the uh, well, there's too many mats, aren't there? Uh, the <laughs> yes. A3 Panty Podcast, Matt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be my fault, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. So uh, the Jet2.com website is from their own website, and it is win your own party plane with Jet2 Holidays. Uh, it says from their website, we have some very exciting news to announce today as Jet2 Holidays is giving one lucky person the chance to win the ultimate money can't buy prize a weekend in Mallorca flying on a very own private party plane with a celebrity guest on board. I'm not uh, sure Ryland Clark knew. I was Neil just about is... to say, we'll decide on whether it's a celebrity or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to celebrate us taking delivery of our 100th aircraft, uh, we have today launched a competition for one person to win the actual aircraft for a weekend. The aircraft will be your very own VIP party plane that flies you to Mallorca, where you can enjoy a weekend of fun, sun, and celebrations. Not only will you get to invite 99 of their friends and family along, but celebrity presenter, in inverted commas, Rylan Clark Neal will join you to make the trip even more memorable. I have no idea who that is. Right. Rylan um, Clark Neal appeared very briefly uh, on The X Factor. He was very famous right. for uh, basically bawling his eyes out in front of, I think it was Cheryl or someone like that, wasn't it? I can't even remember right. who it was. Anyway, one of the judges, and he had a bit of a, a very famous meltdown about it. But anyway, off the back of that, he's had a very sexful, successful career with um, Family Show. Sorry, <laughs> very, very successful <laughs> career with things like uh, Big Brothers, uh, so right. Big Brothers bit on the side. And also, he does a lot of stuff for like This Morning and things now as well so he looks weird like Andy, but with makeup on doesn't he <laughs> yeah, maybe he should grow a beard clearly oh no he's got one isn't he yes there yeah, we go yeah one. absolutely yeah. yeah yeah maybe we could perhaps we could persuade andy to to try that look yeah <laughs> i can i can feel the abusive tweets coming yeah. in any moment yeah. he's gonna pull over especially i can yeah <laughs> imminent trolling yeah, absolutely so uh what does it say yeah, so you can jet off uh, from one of the nine UK bases on Friday the 26th of April and head to the four-star Melia Calvia Beach in Mallorca for the weekend where you make memories to last a lifetime. It says to be in charge with a, in, with a chance of winning, we are calling on partygoers to get creative and choose their own party themes, whether it's all the glitter and unicorns you can imagine or rewinding back the years to the flares and crazy hair. We will help build the winning party idea into a fun-filled, unforgettable experience. So whether it's a birthday, a wedding, a special anniversary or a group trip, the party playing competition offers a chance to create a unique weekend abroad that will never be forgotten. To enter visit their website there's a link there uh to create your own party plane or you can watch rylan explain more about the competition by clicking on the link yeah well i don't an entry... <laughs> sorry go on. i don't know i don't know if i i feel like because this this obviously is listened to quite by, by all over the world and I, I suspect there's an awful lot of people who are no idea uh, who have no idea who rylan actually is uh, <laughs> well me like like I say, me neither. I mean, you can take ninety nine of your friends plus Rylan. Could you not just take a hundred friends and just make that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I I, I was going to play the video, but I don't think I'm going to bother. But uh, I mean, I don't know. Is this just, it's just a is this just a very 
sort of, I don't know, it's kind of a nice idea, I suppose. I, I mean, think it's a good idea, actually. I mean, it's quite fun, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know a hundred people I'd want to go on on holiday with, though. I mean, no. that's that's half the issue. I don't, I don't think I know a hundred people, let alone want to go on holiday <laughs> with them. I think we just got the idea for the next meetup. We should all. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. <gasps> right. Idea, yeah. Okay, that sounds like a campaign, right there, ladies and gentlemen. I, th- I think. Where do we sign up? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Nev, uh, put that one in the uh, for the for the next yes, meeting. Yes, I'll make a, yeah. make a note of that. Yeah. Yes. That'd be quite a three hundredth episode, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Well, yes, we're talking about the uh, what we could do for the three hundredth. I'll, I'll make a note of that as a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. uh, we've got to win it, of course. I mean, obviously, with our marvelous listeners, of course, and their fabulous ideas, yes. we would, of course, win. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting idea. Let's uh, let's run with it, shall we? <laughs> yes, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. The uh, the next story is on the uh, traveler.com.au website, and it says this is all about the world's worst airline slogans. Well, some airline slogans are bona fide classics. So British Airways with the world's favourite airline, Qantas with the spirit of Australia, for example. Others, well, they're not so good. And these are some of the more dodgy efforts. Um, Tajik Air, National Airline of Tajikistan. Many <laughs> of the worst slogans are phenomenally boring and essentially just passion-free dictionary descriptions. Uh, Tajik Air goes absolutely straight down the line without giving innovation a second thought. But it's not even a boast. It's not as though if, it's not as if uh, Tajikistan is particularly well known for its airlines. So being the national airline doesn't exactly bestow much kudos. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> next one is uh, Lion Air, and their slogan is "We make you fly." Well, given Lion Air's um, enthusiasm <laughs> diminishing safety record, yes. uh, this is a motto that's probably ripe for changing. The the element of compulsion about it is off-putting to say yes least. indeed um uh, next one is uh, uh malindo air uh the smarter way to stay high um and uh, it <laughs> says, i'm sorry what, what <laughs> i can't let what are they go? putting in, in these in these in-flight cookies delightful <laughs> though the idea is of uh, onboard bongs or uh, cannabis diffused through the air conditioning system may be. We suspect whoever dreamed up this slogan for the, the Malaysian and Indonesian airline wasn't exactly aware of the double meaning. I bet they were very relaxed about the whole thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, Solomon Airlines, uh, their slogan is discover somewhere completely different. Uh, we know that uh, what Solomon Airlines is trying to do here suggests it flies to unusual off-the-beaten-track destinations just ripe for exploring. Unfortunately, it comes across as though it'll fly you somewhere completely different to the place you're booked to go to. Uh, well, do, do you not think maybe some of some of these appalling slogans are literally uh, because of the literal translation from from like the, the native language to English? Because quite often, you know, I mean, I'll give you an example, isn't it? What is it? It's the it's the um, the gilet protesters. You know that you've got the Illuminati, gilets, mm. isn't it? I mean that that those protesters. It sounds so much somehow so much sexier somehow in in French, doesn't it? You know the 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 gilet. It's like you know here in the UK, yeah. it's man in high vis vest. 
<laughs> it hasn't got the well, same exactly, ring to it, has yes. it? I mean, you, so you get some of these things. Yeah. It's the same sort of translation, isn't it? I wonder. I wonder if it's some of it is is literally that. It's the literal translation doesn't doesn't sort of make mm. it <laughs> doesn't come over. I'll just perhaps. I'll just read a, a couple a couple more here. Uh, Yeti Airlines, you come first. Uh, Air <gasps> Tanzania, <laughs> the wings of Kilimanjaro. Uh, Adria Airways taking off to the future. Uh, Syrian air means safety. That's uh, that's always a good slogan, I think. Uh, <laughs> Druck air on the wings of the dragon. Uh, right. Spice jet, red hot spicy. Uh, air Europe, you still have a choice. Oh. Uh, Continental, we really move our tails for you. Right. And uh, Air Jamaica, feel it when you fly. So uh, these are obviously a result of some heavy duty. Uh, late night marketing <laughs> meetings. I, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yes, and maybe one and too many. More sh- than a few fails there. I yes, think, I, yeah. I suspect you may be right. Uh, we'll move on to the next story, shall we, Nev? Rather quickly, yes, and uh, that yeah. is uh, on the phillyvoice.com, and the headline is JetBlue is giving away a free year of travel if you delete your Instagram. Oh, uh, for many on social media, media, half the joy of travel is being able to post about it, sparking more hashtag wonderlust as people scroll through your feed. Now JetBlue wants to help a few hopeful travellers to see new places, but for the but not for the gram. As part of a contest com- promoting the return of the airline's all-you-can-jet pass, JetBlue is asking participants participants to delete or archive their Instagram feeds and in return they could receive one year of free flights. There will be three winners chosen, each of whom will also get airfare covered for the uh, their travel companions. JetBlue even showed how serious they were about flying with a blank slate by deleting the airline's own Instagram feed, uh, save for one post promoting the contest uh you have to do more than delete your life's work of food and dog pictures to qualify however in addition to clearing out your photos sometime between now and march the 8th uh, you then have to visit the contest website and upload a photo that shows a person or place you want to visit caption the photo by filling in the blank all you can Mm. upload the image and the caption to the site and you're now vacant Instagram feed using the hashtag all you can jet sweep stakes now the only issue I have with this is just like I mean I don't do a lot of social media anymore but one of the few social medias I actually do is Instagram um, that 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 is uh, something I do because I like the, the photos element too so it's nice to sort of share I mean in fact I did exactly that with um with our, our trip yesterday Nev I sort of posted a couple of pictures mm from there but I, I don't know how comfortable I would feel like you know because some people you know they use Instagram quite a lot they've got a lot of photos on their Instagram feed I are you gonna, really going to have that many people willing to delete their entire Instagram feed I mean could uh, you no, just I think the purpose of the competition could you but what, <laughs> what's to stop you from setting up a new profile uh-huh. It's a good question. Well, perhaps I found the uh, perhaps I found the answer there. Yeah, so scrap that. Open a new profile. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's uh, I mean, it's, hey, who isn't going to want a uh, uh, a ticket to basically fly anywhere within with within their network? I suppose is it JetBlue's network? A JetBlue are they um, states based? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, oh, they are. Yes. They're in yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, well, there we are. Lucky, luck, <laughs> good luck to the winners. <laughs> yeah. So anybody that does want to enter, it, it ends on the, the 8th of March at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. So I just looked up the website. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> are you looking, looking at travel options when you get home? Is that what it is? <laughs> well, that, that, I don't use Instagram. I have like one picture on Instagram. Perfect. So there I, we are. You're already I'm there. Yeah. happy to delete that picture if I get to get to your <laughs> Yeah, no fair point. Yeah. Winning. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, well, the next story is on the iafrica.com website. And um, it says that Boeing has uh, delivered the first 737 MAX 8 to Comair Limited, uh, which becomes the first airline in sub-Saharan Africa to operate the fuel-efficient jet. Uh, the airplane is the first of eight 737 Maxes on order for Comair, as the airline looks to refresh refresh its fleet and offer better service for its passengers. Uh, the arrival of the Max 8 aircraft is a continuation of our fleet renewal program and builds on the most modern and efficient fleet in South Africa, said Renel Stander, executive director of Comair's airline division. It's the first of these aircraft to operate in southern Africa and these newer aircraft which showcase state-of-the-art technology will improve our customer experience enable us to hedge against fuel price volatility and enhance our operating efficiency. The new airplane uh, enters a growing African aviation market where the domiciled fleet has almost doubled in the past two decades. Uh, and over the next two decades, Africa will require nearly 1,200 new jets, according to Boeing's commercial market outlook. Uh, Boeing airplanes uh, represent nearly 70% of the continent's in-service fleet. Comair flies an all-Boeing fleet that includes 18 next generation and seven classic 737s uh, for its Kulula.com uh, and British Airways, operated by Comair brands. Uh, the 737 MAX 8 will allow Comair to achieve 14% better fuel efficiency and lower emissions whilst flying 600 nautical miles farther than its predecessor. Uh, the MAX's improved performance is enabled by advanced CFM International Leap 1B engines, advanced technology winglets, and other airframe enhancements. Outfitted with the popular Boeing Sky interior, the MAX 8 can seat 189 passengers in a single class configuration. The 737 MAX family is the fastest selling airplane in Boeing's history, accumulating over 5,000 orders from more than 100 customers worldwide. And uh, it says, we are delighted to welcome Comair to our growing MAX family. The airline will be able to uh, significantly lower its operating costs, fly farther and provide uh, their customers with a better flying experience, uh, says the Senior Vice President of Commercial Sales and Marketing of Boeing. From the classic 737 to the next generation 737 and now to the 737 MAX, we are honoured to build our partnership with Comair and support their success in the years ahead. And uh, I seem to recall, actually, I, I flew on a, a Comair flight, a, a British Airways Comair flight when I went to, uh, when I was in South Africa. I think it was a 737-300. So this is obviously replacing uh, that range, I would imagine. Yeah. So that's good news. Yeah, yeah if, you, if you look at the differences between a 737-300 and a, and a MAX, uh, just for, for size comparison, going from South Africa to somewhere about uh, Nigeria is the U.S. equivalent of flying from 
San Francisco to basically Buffalo, New York, or another comparison is South Africa to Tanzania is about the same as Sicily to Scotland. So, mm. when, and, 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 and those are just about a third of the way up the continent from, from, uh, from South Africa, if you're going North. So, so if you can, you know, calculate the savings of, of a, a 300 and a max that that's huge for, for uh, cost savings on, uh, for Comair. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's uh, fuel efficiency and operating costs. That's, uh, that's the name of the game at the moment, isn't it? That's for sure. Yeah. Well, and I don't think they're the only airline trying trying to achieve that exact same model, are they? I mean, it's uh, yeah, absolutely. Know, it's, uh, it's it's really why you we're getting sad stories like the A three eighty coming out of service, isn't it? It's it's all about uh, trying to be as fuel efficient and cost effective as possible. Yes. So uh, next one for you, Armando, on thedrive dot com. Yeah. So this is another uh, Southwest airline story, uh, and it goes. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. If that still doesn't work, divert to another airport. <laughs> at least that seems to be the version of the axiom follow, uh, followed by pilots of commercial air, airliner earlier this week. A737 flown by Southwest Airlines was forced to abort its landing at Connecticut's Bradley International Airport after three failed attempts to land in high winds, including one that caused the aircraft's wing to slap against the runway. Wow. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'd have to double check that. <laughs> okay. uh, let's see, according to FlightAware's uh, flight tracking data, uh, Southwest 2169 took off from Orlando International Airport on the 25th of February uh, with the intention of landing in the Hartford area about 7 p.m., except that arrival time meant the twin-engine Boeing reached Bradley in the midst of a windstorm that was slapping the northeast silly. As they say. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is, is that uh, a thing? <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose it is on the internet. <laughs> right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Everything's a thing on the internet. Yeah. But the winds at the Moving time were, uh, were consistently about 30 miles per hour, which granted is not that, that much with gusts reaching around 50 miles per hour. Uh, that was strong enough to force the pilots to break off their landing attempts three different times with the aircraft's right wing scraping the ground on one attempt, according to Southwest. Uh, the 737-700 finally touched down about 7.30, not at Bradley, but at Warwick, Rhode Island, uh, about 67 miles to the southeast. Um, no, some no. of the passengers lost their cookies, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I, I was going to say, actually, uh, we'll sort of summarize this story a little bit, because actually uh, there's been um, similar sort of things. with Now, the, the, the next story is again along the same lines, but actually this particular airport is famous for its crosswinds. I think it's fair to say that, is it? Yes, it is. And uh, our very own... A320 pilot is going to talk us through it because yeah. uh, this was the aircraft involved. Uh, so, Matt, if you want to uh, talk us through the next story. Matt, A320 podcast, Matt, that is. Matt seems to be on mute. Oh, does he? Ah, okay. Well, uh -huh. That's unfortunate. Oh, dear. Sorry, I, I can't get on the drive. It, when I click on it, it says not available in your country. 
Oh, oh no, it's available in my country, and we're only <laughs> about forty-five miles away. That's <laughs> it. Straight. Oh, okay. Um, would you like me to read it then, uh, yeah, Matt? Yeah, go on, then, and I'll comment. If you on can't it. get it. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm sure I've got, you got will. I've got the videos here, so I'll, I'll play them as well. Okay. So, uh... okay. <laughs> well, it says, uh, of course, there's lots of you know exaggeration and stuff here, but it says a crazy video of British Airways flight BA four nine two which is a flight I have taken regularly, actually, wow. uh, which was an Airbus A320 flying from London Heathrow to Gibraltar, appeared online today showing the aircraft climbing whilst its wings rocked violently back and forth. At first, many thought the video was a fake, but it turned out it was real. And now we have additional footage of what it looked like for passengers inside the teetering jet. The video shot from the ground was taken shortly after a go-around was initiated during an attempt to land at Gibraltar's International Airport. Uh, you can see the aircraft rolling hard from left to right as it climbs away. Supposedly, high winds were the cause of the go-around, but there aren't any reports of extreme weather in the area beyond 25-knot winds. Um, these are nothing to slouch at, especially as they come from a direction that would result in a high crosswind component for the landing. But the explanation of those winds pushing a large jet like the A320 into such a sudden, violent and extended wind rocking motion uh, really doesn't make all that much sense. And uh, it says from the looks of the videos, a few factors could be at play here beyond just wind gust or wind shear. The violent and uncontrolled wing rocking motion is somewhat indicative of the beginning of a stall, really. During a stall, the inner part of a swept wing stops flying first, which can induce an uncontrolled wing rocking motion as the outer sections uh, maintain lift and the aircraft's ailerons continue to function, albeit in a more sluggish manner. Catalyzed by a gust from one side of the plane, this could at least be a partial answer to what we are seeing. In addition, whilst counteracting this condition or just a major gust of wind itself, the Airbus, which uses a single, uh, which uses a fly-by-wire, fly-by-wire, fly-by-wire flight control system, may have entered into something of a pilot-induced oscillation, further exacerbating the rolling motions, albeit briefly. Now, I'm not... Right, Mr. <laughs> Mr. A320 podcast, <laughs> what's going on here then exactly? Well, I'd be very, very surprised if it was anywhere near the store. I think that's rubbish. I don't think it's near the store. Um, yeah, the, uh, certainly if they're in what we call normal law, which is everything working, then they're not going to be any... You can't store the Airbus in normal law. So I don't think it's anywhere near that. Um Obviously, there's some turbulence. This subject. I think possibly more. <laughs> I'm more sorry. I, lo I love how you say. Obviously, there's a bit of turbulence. It's like I mean, seriously. If I'm if I was on that aeroplane, I, I mean, the colour of my face alone would be frightening the passengers nearby. Uh, I mean, I, I'm literally while Nev was reading out that story, I watch. I mean, I I played the video twice because I it's just like every everything that terrifies me about flying was in those two videos <laughs> but there's nothing dangerous that happened in it i mean it wouldn't have felt very comfortable for the passengers because you wouldn't have known what was going on so it wouldn't have felt very nice probably but the aircraft was never in any danger i think right. there's a lot of sensationalism in the media okay um, but i think what we call you know pio which is what um the article alluded to is pilot induced oscillation uh particularly with the airbus it can be easy to do that because it's fly by wire um 
and it's not like a fighter jet that's you know super rapid so if you've got you know if the aircraft rolls one way and you do full deflection of the side of the control stick in the opposite direction there's a bit of a lag so by the time it starts rolling back and then you let go of the stick it will continue to then roll and what happens is the pilot ends up like causing this uh, over oh. rolling which may be part of it i don't know that you know that's when i first saw the video the from the ground i thought it was fake uh, I'd never seen an airplane do that from, I yeah. guess, from the outside. So, but, but like that does explain where they wait, where they uh, wave the wings, doesn't it? Yeah, and then, uh, but that make that makes perfect sense with the fly-by-wire system because I was yeah. like, how, how, how does, how do you end up in that situation? And there was a similar one just a, a, a day or two after that in the U.S. It was another Airbus that was in a similar situation. I mean, a classic example of that, if anyone's ever read the reports on the AirAsia crash, uh, that was on the Airbus, but um, they they put it into a degraded law, a control system law, which meant that the aircraft didn't have the protections, which is why they crashed. But that was caused by a similar thing that the, uh, the aircraft rolled um, itself, and then they overcorrected and it it very harshly rolled the opposite way and then they ended up doing a very similar thing to what you saw there but they didn't have the stall protection so they did stall from that oh wow but yeah it's an interesting uh, one to read that air asia crash yeah now i think in the situation here with gibraltar um they're landing on runway 09 so they are doing a quite a big uh, late uh, right hand turn onto the uh, onto the final approach um, to avoid the Spanish airspace and of course by doing that you do you are susceptible to these rotors that are set up uh, by the the rock itself and if you recall when we were talking to uh, Trevor Hammond of Nats in Gibraltar he was saying that that's one of the biggest problems that uh, pilots can have uh, but there, clearly there was plenty of energy in the aircraft um, and yeah there was there's some funny stuff going on but also read on some websites that oh it was the autopilot this that and the other but i really don't think there's any autopilot going on there because it's all uh, manual flying uh, onto the runway there on zero nine yeah. and then uh, they're off to malaga after that because he's not going to make a second attempt uh, with with those sorts of conditions that prevail i would imagine matt what, what do you think yeah yeah i would say i mean and for the aircraft to be rolling that violently would probably drop the autopilot out because the autopilot would probably say, I can't deal with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Late. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, but I mean, from the pilot's point of view, obviously it would have probably um, got their adrenaline going. But, you know, it's I can totally understand why the passengers would have felt terrified because it's obviously not how an aeroplane normally feels when you coming into land i mean a lot of passengers are terrified just after a normal go around because they're not expecting it so mm. you can understand where you know there were some people saying you know i i felt like i dodged death and all these sort of things which is very sensationalist but you can understand why they felt that because passengers are normally edgy anyway on a flight aren't they I, I mean, it's safe. To, it's not a flight that I would have enjoyed. Let's put it. <laughs> let's put it that way. I don't, I mean, I mean, I don't I think don't, there was. I that, don't fly to was... Gibraltar, and I'm not checked out on on jibs, so it's not something I have any expertise on the actual approach. Um, but obviously, uh, speaking to other people, and like you say, they have rotors because just like uh, you know, air just acts like water. So if you've got a puddle in a stream, um, sorry, a pebble in a stream, and you can see all the 
or the ripples and eddies coming off of it, you get exactly the same air. Air is actually a fluid, so it just acts exactly the same and it would have just been something caused by the rock, I would have thought. And also, it, it's, it's not a long runway at Gibraltar. It's, you know, 6,000 feet long, so you really can't muck about. And um, if, if there's, you know, a, a chance that uh, it might be too, uh, too difficult or too dangerous to land, then they'll either go around or they'll uh, go, go to Malaga or, or, or somewhere else. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, it, it's... Um, having said that, all the times I've flown into Gibraltar, which is probably about... Um, 10 or 11 now I think in total um, uh, very occasionally it's been a bit lumpy but but nothing like was being experienced there I must say and uh, so far we've never ended up at Malaga so but there's a first time brilliant I <laughs> so as you couldn't do the story uh, a320 podcast matt um would you like to take the next one on the uh, itv.com website yeah instead? thought you might say that I've got that one up ready <laughs> Excellent. So this one is titled Fly B Plane Evacuated at Exeter Airport. Uh, it says a Fly B flight has been evacuated at Exeter Airport in an ongoing incident with reports that part of the site has been closed off. The plane could be seen from the runway with its emergency evacuation slides deployed. And amazingly, it is actually on the runway because the media likes to say it's on the runway where it's anywhere on an airport, but this one is actually on the runway. Uh, eyewitnesses say the plane was just about to take off when the pilot switched off the engines and told everyone to get off the plane. It then became very rushed, you would hope so. Uh, one passenger told ITV News. Theo Sampson was on board the Alicante-bound flight when the cabin began to smell of smoke. He said, the pilot said evacuate immediately when he all scrambled for the emergency exits. I went for the slide at the front of the plane and when I exited the aircraft, there were two fire trucks that were waiting and shortly after one ambulance came. As the cabin smelt of smoke and we could see it coming into the cabin, also everyone was looking around worried and after the pilot told us to evacuate, we all got up so quickly, we were all there waiting to get on the walkway, but there wasn't enough room. Uh, 100 passengers and five crew members had to leave the plane which was preparing for takeoff and the Embraer 195 aircraft was moved off the runway and passengers were evacuated via slides. Exeter Airport says the pilot decided to stop the flight after reporting an air quality issue in the cockpit. It's thought one person suffered from an ankle injury. Passengers were taken back to the terminal by bus where they were told that another flight was being arranged. Flyby have confirmed that another flight has been found for the holiday makers. The new plane is scheduled to leave at 12.35 and the plane is now thought to be in a hangar at the airport. There you go. Well, have you noticed uh, the slides on that E195, Matt, how shallow they are? And I, I saw some of this on the television, the, the evacuation going on. They barely got any speed up going down those slides. <laughs> they, yeah, they are really <laughs> long, aren't they? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, incredible. Perhaps they, um, yeah, so. I don't know, maybe they got them cheap. Perhaps they're like off the 7.5 or something and they uh, stuck them on oh, the embryo. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's all, it's all the two of the cutbacks, isn't it? You think? Yeah, but, exactly. Matt, how, how much does that weigh into your emergency procedures about commanding an evacuation of, of an aircraft? I mean, 
Um, well, yeah, obviously, if, if you have to evacuate, we have a, a procedure for that. Um, it wouldn't have just been a, an off-the-cuff remark. You know, we have quite a... It's a huge decision to make because, um, you know, people will get injured. And as you saw here, there's one ankle injury. Um, so, yeah, I don't suppose it's something they took lightly. So it must have been serious enough for them to do that. Well, of course, I, I mean, you know, it, it, when I know from conversations like when, when the when the slides have been deployed, it's not a five minute job to get the aircraft, you know, usable again. Essentially, no, absolutely not. No, so, yeah, as you say, that it's it's a tough decision that somebody's made to say no. We need to evacuate the aircraft immediately. Yeah. Um, you know, and, well, and of course, with with any airline, of course, you know, safety is paramount. So uh, the decision yeah. was obviously made that that was that was the the safest thing to do. Yeah, and I mean, you say this one's obviously quite slow, but on most airliners, if you, I mean, I've been down one because we have to do it for part of our training. You're going pretty fast when you get to the bottom. Like when you think of all like the elderly people and stuff you get on a on a flight, yeah. it gets you the the bottom pretty quick. So. Um, and what they don't tell you on the um, on the safety cards is at the bottom there's like a rough, uh, almost like a Velcro strip, and it's designed to like basically cause you to flick up onto your feet. So you, as you get there, you have to sort of start running in the air because it fires you sort of into the vertical position as you get to the bottom. Mm. So it really does throw you down. But these ones, like you say, they're very shallow. I'm not sure, not sure what these ones were like. It's just uh, more reason to wear long sleeves and long trousers when you're flying. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Shirt, yeah. tie, smoking jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw I saw a documentary. Um, I, I think it was a pretty old British Airways documentary about uh, I think a 747 going into its uh, annual check, and it they were saying it takes like six hours to pack one of these slides into its container. Yeah, I quite believe it. I quite believe it. It's, uh, it's a, well, I presume, I mean, again, also, the, I mean, these things, I mean, they're fired, aren't they? I mean, you, you pull a lever and it, it fills up, doesn't it? So you've got the canisters involved, obviously, this, the, the substance that, that blows them up. I mean, that's, that's, uh, yeah. You I mean, know. think how big those slides are. I think they, they inflate in something like five seconds. Yeah. I think that's pretty quick. There's quite an accelerant there, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a, I think a nitrogen or a CO2 canister, but it, it doesn't inflate the, it just creates enough pressure okay. that goes through a venturi and then it, it picks up ambient and air and right. mixes it with that. And then that's okay. what, and that's what inflates it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, fair point. Would you like to take the, uh, the last story then Armando <clears throat> on the, uh, on the metro.co.uk website? Sure. The, uh, let's see. This abandoned airport terminal is transformed into a swanky new 60s hotel. If you're an avid traveler or enjoyed the odd holiday before the year 2001, you might remember the old. Oh, I can't. Remember, I can't believe they call it the old carrier. The old carrier, Transworld Airlines. Uh, sadly for the aircraft company, it's not an aircraft company. It was an airline. It ceased operation that year, and the terminal dedicated to it at John F. Kennedy Airport had been abandoned for 18 years. However, it was recently rebranded as a swanky hotel themed around the swinging 60s. The Air Force, the airport's first hotel will pay homage to the former occupant as it has been named TWA. The project is part of a large-scale renovation project worth $265 million. 
soon you can stay in one of their 512 guest rooms with views of Manhattan or, for all of us aerophiles, uh, rooms of JFK's runways as well as TWA's flight center. Uh, you can expect a 10,000 square foot rooftop observation deck with a pool, six restaurants, eight bars, and a massive red lounge transformed from check-in desks that will make all of your Instagram pics popular. Uh, <laughs> futuristic architecture and navigation lovers will also love the flight theme as the hotel comes with a museum devoted to the jet age, TWA, and the modern design movement. Uh, one of the largest... Uh, one of the country's largest airlines, TWA, began operations in 1930 and shut its doors in 2001. Uh, let's see. So I was looking at the actual hotel website for this, and what is not mentioned in this article is that they took an old Lockheed Constellation, which is my favorite airplane, airplane and uh, they trucked it in. They, they repainted it, renovated it, and trucked it into uh, back into JFK Airport. So I think part of the conference center will have a, a Lockheed Constellation in TWA colors, um, which is awesome. So it looks really, really nice, and it is right uh, next to the JetBlue terminal at JFK. So I think once this opens, if I'm ever going through JFK, I will probably make a point to spend the night there. Yeah, I mean, it's is it expensive? I mean, how does it compare price-wise to to your average hotel? Have, have they have they given any indications as to cost? So it didn't look any more expensive than any other airport hotel. So you know okay. they tend to kind of be a little bit pricier, but uh, no, it, it looked affordable. So ah, the magic word affordable, we like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Want to do a premier in breakfast? as well oh, of course absolutely <laughs> other airport chain uh, other uh, hotel chains are available of course <laughs> they're not as good but they are available <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. well that brings us to the end of the commercial news segment for this week and uh, we'll be back after these words Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from news buyers across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plain talking uk on twitter via at plain talking uk or get in touch via email on podcast at plain talking uk.com thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening fly b5823 trent dane for two three hour manchester with air 6x client flight level 210 direct to britman's park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. Tandem to TME, turn right onto Bravo, link. Do one, join Alpha, hold at Mora. Speedbird, four, seven, two, LOC, slash TME. 
traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. So we came up with the idea of having a video course. Obviously ours are, are better because we've got the experience on the aircraft and we know what we need to be looking at. Something that myself and Andy started initially really to improve our own technical knowledge and put something out there. We saw that there was a gap and this wasn't a media that was being used for this purpose and our hunch was right because there's obviously a market for it. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check Check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. Well, we haven't done a NEVS passenger experience for a while, have we? So I thought, well, as we've got Matt from the A320 podcast on the show, uh, he had a very recent flight with the folks on Jet 2. Um, now, we heard some really good reports from Jet 2 uh, passengers recently. So, uh, Matt, tell us all about it. How, how was it and, and where did you go and where did you fly from? Yeah, well, you're going to hear much of the same today. Um, obviously, I don't often say which airline I work for, but you'll know that this is a rival because obviously Jet2 only have the Boeing, so we've a rival airline. Um, the First of all, we went to Turkey and we went from East Midlands because they were so booked up I couldn't get anywhere out of uh, Stansted. So I had to drive all the way up to East Midlands Airport, which was new for me. I've never been there. Um, so new airline for me, new airport. And uh, yeah, it was a great experience. I don't know if uh, either of you guys have been to East Midlands, but uh, it was I've amazing. looked at it from the outside. I was actually there only a couple of weekends ago, believe it or not. It's, there's a lot of construction work going on nearby, actually, with hotels and stuff. They're obviously hoping for big things, I think. There. Yeah, uh, we did that. We stayed in a hotel uh, the night before because it's about two and a half hour drive from here mm. so uh, myself my wife and my two daughters we headed up there and went through uh, it's, it's lovely in there it's a very quiet airport um, walked straight into what felt like a small room almost where all the <laughs> check-in desks were checked in and then it was 10 minutes from there through security and to the gates area so it was really nice and very pleasant and especially with two young children it was very stress free so the airport itself was fantastic. Uh, once we uh, got to the gate, they just opened the doors. It was a nice walk uh, just across pretty much a road to get on. So it wasn't very much walking at all. So it's quite different to most airport experiences. So that was very nice. Um, and then it got onto the flight. The aircraft 
was was great. The uh, I'm not the tallest person in the world, so I can't really give. My, neither is my wife. She's only uh, four foot eleven, so she feels like she's in business class on any time. Okay. Oh, how lovely! Um, I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, and I'm not very tall either. But we had plenty of leg room, as you can see uh, from the picture there that Matt's put up. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was I was very pleased with that. Uh, something that I like on all. There's my short legs, but yeah, plenty of room. Um, yeah, and the leather seats. Um, I think that a few airlines are realising now that it's actually cheaper in the long run to have leather seats because you know they're much easier to keep clean. You don't have to keep replacing them uh, and things like that. Uh, so they're yeah, very comfortable seats. I was very pleased with that. And one thing I really liked is that they had uh, boarding music, which seems to be something that not many airlines do. Uh, these days certainly not the low cost mm. um and uh certainly went well with my children because they uh they played a million dreams from greatest oh fantastic <laughs> so they were singing along to that on boarding so yeah but i think it's good i think it adds a an air of quality and and also tranquility i think it's quite nice having music when you board of course it is very commonplace whenever you're doing whenever you do sort of long haul i mean that is still very much a thing isn't it you will you will be getting on to like you know uh, united or, or delta or a any of the big carriers i presume it's the same with ba nev where you've got uh, uh, you know you've got a music that you're listening to uh, as you get on to i mean it's, it's very quiet you can't necessarily pick up what it is that, that they're playing but it does sort of create that atmosphere doesn't it as you're getting Definitely, on board yeah it, it does it sort of takes away the i don't know it just feels calmer but getting on an airplane that's got music mm. playing i really liked it yeah yeah it's good uh flight was lovely the crew were all very good very friendly um we enjoyed that uh, we flew into antalya very nice landing especially for a boeing because i was waiting for it to uh, <laughs> boeing <laughs> yeah but no it's very good it's all right um yeah, it's always uh, interesting when you sit where you can see where I sat. Yeah. You can see all the pulleys and stuff in the wing and all the all the cables, which obviously you don't get on the Airbus. Right. Yes. Really good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But my absolute favourite thing, so I'm uh, excited about simple things like this, is the cup holder that they had is absolutely genius. I don't know if uh, Matt can bring up. <laughs> ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I was leave, like, leave I thought this me. was brilliant. Like every airline in the world should put this cup holder. Whoever designed this is a genius. Okay, yeah. yeah, just just keep keep filling for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's uh, the only slight criticism is that the um, the trays that came down were really really short so there wasn't that much room i was doing some podcast stuff on my laptop and i sort of had to wedge there we are there's the cup holder how clever is that it just pulls down and it's, it's such a simple it. idea but it's just actual genius yeah yeah <laughs> i love that that was brilliant i'll tell you what <laughs> and i've had a couple of instances like with uh <clears throat> Ryan where um i've had my drink in my uh you know in the, in the little like divot that's in the um Mm. The, the thing where and and it's it's like you've had a bump and it's fallen over be, yeah be, you know but to actually as you say because it's literally going halfway down the cup so the chance of it sort of accidentally spilling is, is sort of almost yeah. non-existent yeah i mean never don't think ba business class even has that does it 
They don't know, certainly okay. not. Uh, I hope they're listening. Uh, we, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, this is clearly the future. This is where everybody's going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there somebody that just holds your cup, though, the whole flight now? Uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's that right, is yes. a good point, yes. Yeah. You, you get your own personal assistant, of course, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. So yeah. What, was the, what was the food like then, Matt? How, how did that fare? Um, well... I, it was just stand. I didn't. Actually, we didn't get any food on board, to be honest. But um, they. It was just the usual what you would expect. Really, it looked quite nice. What other people had had. They had um, some actual meals. So it was a morning flight on the way out. So no one had any meals. But on the way back, I saw some people. They had like macaroni cheese and those sort of things. So they had quite a good selection, it seemed. But uh, we didn't buy any food on board. So. I can't tell you what it tasted like. But it looks <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. So I made the obligatory purchase, of course. Of course. Well, quite right. Yes, I've got yeah. one somewhere. Which Car- which Car- Carlos like when we when we moved to to here, Carlos uh, took it with me because Lee Lee bought me one because the Lisa and Lee who uh, who have uh, quite often sat here in the studio when we've been doing the show and um, they they bought me one and I still haven't had it back, Carlos find it i want it back <laughs> nice. i bought the seven five as well i was really disappointed that's the only thing i was disappointed about is they don't mm. have any seven fives at east midlands right so um yeah it was seven three you can keep but your seven fives where you can shove them where the sun don't you <laughs> i'm not a fan but, uh, <laughs> I, I, they seem to have got the the whole thing very well sorted out don't they, they they've aimed at a very specific kind of market and they just do it very well. They, they don't try and do things that are on the peripheral side no. of, of their main business. They've concentrated on a, on a very specific area and, and I think they've ticked a lot of boxes by doing that, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. It's a good product. I think they've got uh, a really good thing going there. Yeah, it was good. And uh, all the crew were happy. They seemed, well, all the flights that we saw on the board were on time. Um, they only do the crew only do two sector days, so that's quite unusual for a low cost mm. airline. They have long turnarounds. I think they had over an hour turnaround when they got there. So, and that is the one thing that I mean. Again, like you know, I've known sort of several people, uh, several friends who've all flown with uh, Jet Two, and they've all said exactly the same thing as you, Matt. The one thing that they're sort of almost surprised about is how happy the 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 cabin crew are, which yeah. weirdly you'd have thought would have been like you know not a thing because yeah you know i mean i i, I a flight i had back from uh when, where was i coming back from i think it was coming back from new york and it was a united flight and honestly i've never met crew so miserable you know and yeah. this is this is a, a you know a long haul carrier where you sort of i, I don't know perhaps you exhaust it was united perhaps i that's where i was going wrong but uh it was uh you know i just you just sort of assumed that uh in the same way like even in my job you know you you do your best to smile where you can and sort of yeah know, exactly. it's not their fault you're miserable is it I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah i mean i think that yeah, doesn't so... really matter which airline you you know i've had i had a ba flight to philadelphia once where all the crew were totally miserable and uh and that but uh i mean obviously it may be a one-off i've flown with lots of airlines with happy cabin crew but everyone just seemed to be enjoying their job it was quite good and it's a long day you know for them and mm. Antalya is quite a long day so it's for them to be quite jolly and everything on the way home as well where they've had quite a long day I think that showed quite a lot showed promise yeah. as they say yeah, yeah. definitely and you know to just get like a, a low-cost airline where they only have two sector days yeah is unbelievable 
Um, I think it's the, the way forward. Um, I think, I think it might change where more airlines do this because I think they might realize that in the long run, it's cheaper because they'll have less crew going out of hours. Going out of hours and yeah. less crew going off sick as well, I suppose. Absolutely, it's, yeah. I, I, I've said this before. I mean, people think that, you know, the, the jobs that you guys do, is sounds, it all sounds very glamorous, but it really is. It couldn't be far further away from glamorous certainly in the uh, the insight that if you like that i've picked up as a result of being involved in this this show yeah. uh you know cabin and that, crew and pilots low cost thing either that's not that's a legacy carrier yeah. as well you know the, the job maybe long haul is there's still a bit but there's still a lot of the time mm. not necessarily bang on minimum rest everywhere they go but there's certainly the days of you know going somewhere for the caribbean for a week is long gone you know they'll yeah. be there shortest time that the airline can do so i mean we we won't mention obviously the the airline that you you fly for but i mean what what would what would you recommend that they did if you like almost to sort of bring that that same vibe if you like to to, to who you work for i think it would be that i think it would be try and get less flights out of a day because an aircraft generally does between probably eight to 10, sometimes 12 flights a day is what the aircraft is doing. Um, they could probably, if they could cut a couple of those out, then there's a lot more um, margin in the whole schedule for, you know, at the moment, if an aircraft, this goes for a lot of airlines, they cut the schedule so tight that if the mm. first flight in the morning gets delayed because yes. of fog, then the flight that was supposed to get back at two o'clock in the morning will get back at four or five o'clock yeah. in the morning because it just snowballs throughout the day. Yeah, indeed. That's where if it's only doing two sectors. Yeah, it's, so if everyone just did two sectors and they had uh, more gaps between the flights so that if you were late, it doesn't have a knock-on effect, I think it would improve everything for airlines passengers and the crew i suppose on the flip side of that though of course i mean the reason why those extra flights are, are in there i mean is because the the seats are being sold so i suppose you know that the, there there is the capacity there if you like to fill those flights unless i, I suppose you maybe take on more more staff and you know more more planes yeah. i guess is the and only of course way to it's down that. to airport congestion as well because they try to yeah. get every slot that they can so yeah. they're not going to turn down slots because once you turn it down it goes to someone else so they want to mm -hmm. keep the slots and they'll just um do what they can to fly them indeed yes yeah, so they've got an incredible uh route network as well just have a quick look on the uh <clears throat> excuse me, on their website and um just in the uk they're flying from belfast uh, aldergrove uh, birmingham uh, east midlands edinburgh glasgow leeds bradford Stansted, Manchester and Newcastle and um, the route network is very extensive indeed and although you might sort of just associate them with the uh, the, the Spanish sector and, and that kind of thing uh, they're flying all over the place to uh, Austria, Bulgaria, Croatia, Cyprus, Czech Republic, uh, Copenhagen in Denmark, uh, France, Germany, Greece, uh, Hungary, Iceland, Italy, Malta, Please, Carlos. Uh, Netherlands <laughs> to uh, Amsterdam, uh, Krakow in Poland uh, and Portugal. Uh, Spain have already mentioned Switzerland, Turkey, where Matt went. Um, so yeah, a really extensive route network, and they seem to be doing it very well. Uh, would you say it was um, good value for money as well, from from your point of view, Matt? Mm, no, it was quite expensive actually. I think for the four of us, okay. it was about a thousand pounds. I think, but it was um, mm. it was last minute when he booked it ten days before we went. Um, okay. But the flights were all full. 
they um, the uh, the other thing that they do with their routes is most people that fly to Turkey because we go there quite regularly. Um, they're always those horrible overnight flights. Um, whereas these ones were flying out in the morning, getting back at 7 p.m. on the way back, so they were quite pleasant flight times. And they're the only airline, uh, certainly only UK airline, that fly direct to anywhere in Turkey that's not Istanbul through the winter. So they're going to, if they've just started it this year, so this year the Stansted and East Midlands flights are going to go all through the winter. So they're going to be the only people. So anyone that's got um, holiday homes or wants winter sun or anything in Turkey, their only option is going to go with Jet 2. So I think they could be onto a winner there. So. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Well, it's a, a nice, uh, good news story there, isn't it? Very nice. Yeah, very good. So, yeah, overall, thumbs up. I thought they were great. Nice. I think that continues to solidify everything we hear about Jet 2, doesn't it? Yeah. It does, yeah. It seems to. And they're doing well. I mean, their 100th aircraft, that's quite an expansion, isn't it? And I understand from people I know at Jet 2 that their new Stansted base, I think they've got 12 aircraft in there. Oh, well, wow. that's what they initially put in. It's doing really well, apparently. So, good. Hopefully, good luck to them. That it'll continue. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, uh, actually, Lee, Lee's just said in it. Uh, my friend Lee's just messaged me saying one of the things they do is they do the twilight check-in and hotel resort check-in too, which which they've oh, nice. uh, used before. Yeah. It sort of takes some of the pressure. Oh, so yeah. Check in the that. night before. Yeah. Yeah, they don't do that on Turkey flights, I think, because you have to have a visa and because you have oh, okay. to have a visa for Turkey, you can't do it that night before or something. But I did read that they do that on the um, on their other routes, which mm. is great. Yeah. Very cool. Excellent. Well, thanks for that, Matt. Really appreciate your thoughts on Jet 2 as you've just been on them. So that was well, quite uh, brilliant. Yes. A live Nevis passenger yeah. experience, look. <laughs> yes. We must do some more of these. I'll, yes. I'll find some more, yes. more people to chat to. About. Well, we're going to San Francisco in July, so I'll do you another one then. Excellent. Right. Lovely. Okay. We'll, we'll have the music and everything, Nev. I've missed your theme tune. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yes, that's right. I've forgotten all about that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> marvellous okay good right well uh so next up then uh it's time for some military so if you're ready with the military music matt uh yeah why not hang on give me two seconds here yes all ready to go here we go Well, yeah, guys, uh, every week I try to pick out uh, some stories that are from different uh, areas of military, sort of military aspects. And uh, I guess this first story we're going to kick off is uh, it's a bit sad, but it goes to uh, kind of what we were talking about at the top of the show, where when there is an accident, it takes, it takes quite a long time to really conduct a thorough investigation. So this is from flightglobal.com and it is regarding the light attack aircrafts that we've talked about the last couple episodes. Um, so the U.S. Air Force has, their investigators have found that a fatal Sierra Nevada Embraer 829 Super Tucano crash in June of 2018 uh, during this uh, light attack aircraft experiment was actually caused by pilot error. So after the crash, the Air Force suspended further experimental flights 
and eventually finished its testing program prematurely. The pilot flying the A-29 died as a result of the crash, while the aircraft's weapon systems officer was able to eject and parachute to safety, sustaining only minor injuries. The accident stemmed from the pilot's over-control of the aircraft, which caused an inadvertent entry into an uncontrolled spiral dive, according to the U.S. Air Force Accident Investigation Board report, which was just released on the 22nd of February. Uh, the aircraft entered an uncontrolled spiral dive after the pilot released a 500-pound GBU-12 bomb and failed to compensate, compensate correctly for the aircraft's sudden change in weight and balance. The pilot did not apply adequate recovery control inputs to stop the spiral, and to make matters worse, the pilot ejected only 700 feet above ground level and up 1.5 seconds before impact as opposed to the 5,000-foot minimum height recommendation by the A-29 flight manual. Um, let's see, the weapon systems officer was uh, or successfully ejected about 2,000 feet above ground level, also below the minimum recommended height, but was able to survive because there was enough time for his chute to deploy. Let's see, the Air Force light attack experiment is aimed at finding a cheaper-to-fly aircraft for the Defense Department, U.S. allies and partner nations to operate. It is currently on hold as the services leadership ponders expanding the types and number of aircraft under consideration. Previously, only two aircraft made it to the final test, which was the Textron AT-6 Wolverine and the Sierra Nevada Embraer A-29 Super Tucano. Um, so this was this was an experiment that has been gone going on for about seven years now. And uh, even though they found the cause to be pilot error, I can guarantee you that these are some of the best pilots uh, in the world. And especially when you get selected to evaluate a new aircraft, um, whether you're in the commercial side, on the military, the, the business side, or just straight experimental side, th these are some of the best pilots. So, um, you know, it, I, accidents happen. Um, but it's just a uh, another nod to the sort of danger that is um, trying out new aircraft and new programs. Yeah, I think there's you can never underestimate those sorts of things, can you really, Amanda? And uh, no, it's dread dreadfully sad, uh, terribly sad indeed. Uh, but uh, yeah. yes, thank you. The uh, so well, the next. Go ahead. Sorry. No, after after you, sir. After you. I was going to move on to the to the next story since Carlos isn't here. Um, I had given him a drone story. <laughs> <laughs> so it is from defensenews.com, and uh, it is Boeing unveiling their new loyal wingman drone. Uh, so they Boeing introduced its air power teaming system at the Australian International Air Show on Wednesday. The concept is designed to perform the role of a loyal wingman to ban platforms and is being developed in partnership with the Royal Australian Air Force. The prototype is expected to fly in 2020. The air power teaming system was designed in Australia by Boeing Defense Australia and according to Boeing Chief Technical Officer Greg Hislop, uh, Hislop the, the project represents the largest investment in the development of unmanned programs outside the United States. This is how much we believe in this program, its capabilities, its global business potential, and our team here in Australia, uh, said Hyslop. 
Today is a big day for Boeing and a big day for Australia. The program is intended to develop the system for both, or use both by the RAAF and uh, the U.S.'s closest partners, the U.K. and New Zealand and uh, uh, Canada. And it represents a significant de defense export opportunity for Australia. So they revealed that the uh, Australian government will contribute to about 40 million U.S. dollars to the development of the system. And uh, it uh, is looking to have a range of about 2,000 nautical miles. So I, I looked a little bit more into this because it was first heard for me. And, and the concept is it will fly formation. You can deploy, I don't, want, I don't know what the official term is, but you can def deploy a flock of them uh, to accompany one aircraft, one bomber, one tanker, or one early warning aircraft. And then these system, these uh, unmanned aircraft will sort of go out like a sci-fi movie and and conduct part of the mission or conduct defensive air. Um, so it's a really interesting concept. Yeah, oh, that's very, very cool indeed, isn't it? Yeah, excellent. Um, well, shall I take the next story then, Armando? And uh, it's on the UK government's website. And uh, it says that uh, the first flight of the Texan T-1 state-of-the-art trading aircraft has been completed at RAF Valley. And the forthcoming introduction of this aircraft forms part of a £1.2 billion investment into fixed-wing aircraft training under the Military Flight Training System, MFTS, the evolving program that is designed to train and prepare junior pilots for the front line. Defence Minister Stuart Andrews said, it's crucial that our fighter pilots of the future train on the very best equipment before reaching the front line to protect UK airspace at home and defend, uh, defend our interests abroad. Uh, the introduction of the Texan T1 into one of NATO's most advanced fighter training programs demonstrates the RAF's commitment to investing in world-leading technology to maintain a military advantage over our adversaries. Well, the Texan T-1 aircraft, which is due to replace the Tucano in the fast jet training program, made history with its first flight at RAF Valley. The T-1 represents a technological step change from its predecessor, with the ability to simulate missions in both fourth and fifth generation aircraft, such as the F-35 Lightning and Typhoon fast jets. Wing Commander Chris Ball, who's the officer commanding the Texan Integration Squadron at RAF uh, Valley, explains, under the military flying training system, fighter pilots will train on world-leading aircraft. They start on the Prefect, move on to, on to the Texan, and finish on the Hawk T2, making the training process more efficient and far more representative of the aircraft types that they will eventually fly. The Texan is the ideal lead-in trainer to the Hawk T2 advanced jet trainer that they will fly here at Valley. And the first pilot to fly the aircraft in the UK said it was a privilege to be the first RAF pilot to fly a Texan T1 from an RAF station today and to have been part of the team that has brought this excellent training aircraft into service. The Texan is a great aircraft to fly, extremely capable and has the ability to better prepare students for the demands of modern fast jet flying than ever before. With the first flight now complete, the whole Texan team can begin looking forward to teaching students in the very near future. 
I think it's quite interesting, uh, Armando, isn't it? Because this that now gives uh, student pilots a tremendous range of aircraft um, to uh, hone their skills with. Yeah, absolutely. And the the T six is no snug, uh, slug by any means. It's a it's a three hundred mile per hour uh, you know two seat turboprop, and uh, it's incredibly nimble and and proven. With the U.S. Air Force has used it for years, but it's it's employed. Uh, worldwide, really, there's a lot of air forces using the the Texan, so I'm really glad to see that the UK is is getting there, and that that really just opens up. Um, boy, we're talking a lot about money, but it opens up, you know, a whole parts availability, uh, uh, partnerships, exchanges with other countries, uh, enables UK pilots to go out and train some of our par- our, our partner nations. So, uh, I think it's a great move. Yeah, excellent. Um, Matt from the A320 podcast, would you like to have a go at the uh, the last story here, story number four? Yeah, certainly. So this one's from Combat Aircraft uh, Military Aviation Magazine, and it's titled F-117 Nighthawk is still out there and still flying. The Combat Aircraft Magazine has obtained the clearest photos yet of a flying Lockheed F-117A Nighthawk since the type was officially retired by the US Air Force in April 2008. Photographed on February the 26th, this single unmarked F-117A was operating in the R-2508 range complex near Death Valley in Southern California. The aircrafts are flying low-level, escorted by a pair of F-16s that appear to have been providing top cover for the stealth fighter. Persistent reports and supporting imagery have indicated that as many as six F-117s remain active from their original home in Tonopah in Nevada. While the U.S. Air Force does not officially acknowledge this, it clearly does not attempt to hide the fact, given that the jets have been seen flying in broad daylight and on this occasion, for an extended period of time. When the US Air Force formally retired the Nighthawk in 2008, 52 aircraft were placed into storage at their original home in the test range airfield on the Nellis Test and Training Range in Nevada. One aircraft has since been broken up to demonstrate disposal techniques for the type. The final goodbye was made at Lockheed Martin Skunk Works at the Air Force's Plant 42 in Palmdale, California on April the 22nd, 2008, when four aircraft made a pit stop en route from their last operational home at Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico. Then commander of the 49th Fighter Wing, Colonel Jeffrey Harrigan, an F-15 and F-22 pilot by trade, commented, no weapon system can hold a stick to what you guys have developed here. The four jets formed up and headed into the desert and out of service. Fast forward two years to 2010, and a video appeared on the internet of an F-117 flying over the Nellis ranges, revealing that at least some of the aircraft were still active. The sighties have continued, and in July 2016, a pair of the jets were spotted flying together in the pattern at Tonopah. Now we have shots of a single operation at low level. The F-117s are officially being kept in Type 1000 storage, indicating they are maintained in a status from which they could be recalled to active service should the need arise. Type 1000 aircraft are termed inviolate, meaning they have a high potential to return to flying status and no parts may be removed from them. 
The US Air Force states that the aircraft can be reactivated within 30 to 120 days, depending upon how long the particular aircraft has been in storage. It's unclear why a small amount of F-117s are being retained in flying status, but it's likely to be linked to some sort of operational testing on the ranges. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool to see these airplanes out and about. I guess we, we would all imagine that they would keep, you know, it's such a unique capability that they would keep something like this in, in storage for testing and uh, but it's it's really cool just to see that they are still out there. It's a bit yeah. for, for me. It's 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 a bit like the sort of the Concorde situation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There there still isn't anything out there that that looks or resembles that that aircraft. As I say, it's the same with Concorde. And I know there you know there were lots of very good technical reasons why they were taken out of service. But uh, you know, usually it's something's taken out of service at, because it's been superseded by something else and. And this seems to be a similar sort of situation, really. I mean, it, it's it's a very iconic-looking aircraft, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. wish they'd done a Type 1000 storage on Concorde because <laughs> there was no need for them then, but yeah. it would be great to know that they could be uh, brought back in one day if it needed to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Richard Adams in the, in the chat room is saying that surely they'll need to keep some pilots current as well. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, can't Im- I can't imagine being, the, you know, the one of three current Air Force pilots that, that still flies the F-117. <laughs> wow. God, fly me. Well, it's presumably in the, the strictest of secrecy as well. <laughs> You're not allowed to well, talk about it. You know, yeah. you know, it's 80s technology. It's, it's unique, sure, but, um, but I don't know. I don't know if they would if they would really try to keep it so much secret. I, probably the, the tests are secret, but, but the fact that the airplane is out and about is... Yes, I suppose we wouldn't be seeing it if it was a secret, I suppose. It would be so high up, you'd never sort of... Yeah, if they didn't yeah. want you to see it, you wouldn't see it. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, yeah. And, like, <laughs> and, and obviously, like Richard said in the chat room about keeping them current, obviously, they'll have, you can't keep people current without keeping them flying, so they must have to keep... Yeah, true. ...doing shortage yeah. just to keep people current, must you? Is there anything... Way, They'd say, right, we're going to bring them all back in service. And I'd be like, well, yeah. no one we've got no pilots. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is there anything out there currently in the in the military uh, market, Armando, which, which, from a flight point of view, um, like a controls point of view, that that is similar, or is it is it a very different beast? The F one seventeen was uh, developed in the mid eighties, so I think the lessons learned from that program have probably bits and pieces have sort of translated into other programs, you know, so I think you can, you could probably spot some similarities in the F-22, the F-35, some of the unmanned, um, that was, the, the F-117 was really revolutionary in the way they, they approached stealth and uh, even some of the, the, uh, the infrared signature uh, engine heat diffusing systems have probably now permeated some, some other systems systems and then certainly the the skin and the radar absorbent materials that was really cutting edge back then but that's that's probably the biggest thing that that is probably still in use today there's a lot of um, chatting going on in the chat room about the F-22 about how good that is as a replacement yeah yeah there's a lot of debate about that (laughs) yeah what's your opinion on that uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I'm not a fighter guy, so I'm not 
too tremendously fam familiar. And, and uh, uh, I think once I get back to the States, that's, that's sort of something I'm going to try to do with the military segment is, is seek out some of these folks that have firsthand experience in different aspects of the military. Cause my, my experience has been fairly limited. Um, and, and I really hope to get sort of, sort of uh, firsthand knowledge on, on some of these things that we see in the news quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, Nev, uh, we're going to interrupt, if we may, actually, uh, with some breaking news. Yes, uh, we don't often have breaking news on this programme, but uh, we have at the moment. Um, and there has been an evacuation of a louder air, uh, aircraft on the runway at Stansted. Looks like the uh, slides have been deployed and people are on the grass. Um, looks like everybody's got off OK, but uh, don't know quite what the real story is. Cause it's only literally just happened in the last In the uh, last like four minutes, minutes or so. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they, yes. don't, they don't fly yeah. there, do they? So it's a diversion in there. Oh, that's a good point. Yes, right. I, I okay. think so. Yes. Am I correct? Yeah. Now? So, I think well, they fly there as a route. So, yeah. Uh, I Louder don't end. No. actually know, to be honest with you. Have to okay. Have a look. All right. Well, as yeah. I say, our, our wonderful listeners will no doubt uh, know more about it by the time by the time they hear about it. And the chat room, I dare say, will be going crazy at the moment looking it up. Yeah, but that is literally hot off the presses. So that's, yeah, Louder I'm F. looking for people to see if they've carried their luggage off so I can criticise them <laughs> for doing so. But, uh, I, I don't think they There have, is definitely a bag. No, no, I'm sorry. I can see a bag over someone's shoulder. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, in, and is the person closest to the camera on the right, have they got their trolley case there? Yes, they, they have. Yes, they oh, have they on the grass. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, you Imagine see. taking a trolley case down that slide. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talk about this every time an incident like this occurs, don't we? But it's like you do worry that, like, I, I, I suppose the cabin crew, they're in a difficult situation because they want to get everybody off the aircraft as quickly as possible. Um, but at the same time, really, I suppose in that situation, it is their responsibility to ensure people don't do something stupid like take their trolley case with them. I mean, I mean, is is that is that the 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 policy? I mean, really, it's, well, it's... the problem is once they've got to the door with their um, trolley case, what yeah. are you going to do with it? If Good they point. don't take it down with them, it's going to be in the galley in the way, yeah. the door. So once it's there, it may as well go. Chuck it out so they can go and get it when it's down there. But so. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not so keen on on, on this. It's, it's just. What? What? Just get out of the aircraft. If there's something wrong, I mean, it must be something fairly. Uh, yeah. Major for them to have deployed the slides, presumably going back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I mean, you can't really see much from that picture. Is there any other pictures of it? Yeah. No. We'll we'll, we'll have no, a, it, we'll keep crawling at the moment. It's extremely new. Uh, what yeah. what's happened there? So yeah. uh, hardly any of the news. Well, there's nobody on the news uh, side of things uh, carrying it at the moment. I don't think. But, no, uh, indeed. Uh, we will find out uh, probably uh, during the remainder of the show. I'd imagine. Mm. So. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. Flights inbound. Yeah. So there's there's something here. What's mm. this air traffic? Uh, tra uh, aircraft aborted takeoff and emergency evacuation on runway. Um, where's that? Maybe there? they do fly out of there then if it was a, a rejected yeah. takeoff. Yeah, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to see. Let me just. Uh, I'm just trying to because there's a video here. I'm just trying to see if uh, see if there's any clues in. I ask. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. 
No, I was going to say that video is not going to give a lot of clues. No, it? okay, no, fair enough. It was worth a try. I, I was just, yeah, sort, yeah. I was just sort of trying to find anything I could. That's the trouble. This, you know, <laughs> I'm not used to doing things on the fly. Uh, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Enough, there's nothing on uh, the the Stansted Airport Twitter feed uh, at this exact moment, which right. is slightly surprising. Because you think that would uh, that would be up there, obviously, because they will have uh, closed the closed uh, the runway, or unless it is runway. literally that hot, hot off the the press at the moment. Mm. If you see what I mean, it's uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll... we might we might uh, just conclude that before, at the end of the show, perhaps. Mm. Might yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So uh, yes. Uh, okay. But, uh, there we are. So uh, um, uh, actually, uh, Chris uh, Griggs in the chat room has just uh, um, sent us a tweet which says, um, uh, "If you're wondering about the incident at Stansted, a plane was stopped." just before getting on the runway because of an engine failure. Everyone's oh. okay. We're on a bus waiting to get back to the terminal. Um, so, yes, there's some deployed slides and, and people uh, off the... Uh, okay, off but why, well. why would you so, deploy, uh, the, deploy the engine, unless it was a fire, perhaps, as a result of the f engine failure? Well, that's it, and, and perhaps there was some, some other stuff going on there, so uh, mm. difficult, to, uh, difficult to know. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that story yeah, in the next uh, 20 minutes or so, anyway. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, well that concludes the uh, military section. Uh, thanks, uh, Armando, for doing a sterling job as always with that. And uh, next, we're going to talk to Matt from the A320 podcast about the A320 podcast, uh, which is why we've got him on the show. So uh, <laughs> this is a uh, great project that uh, you and Andy have put together. So, so tell us what's happening now. With it. How far has it come since you originally started it? Uh, well, it's come a huge way. Uh, many of your regular listeners uh, will, will probably have seen much of our journey. Uh, basically started off at the very beginning when uh, myself and Andy were studying um, for one of our recurrent sims. And I listened to a lot of podcasts and I thought, I wish there was a way I could use the time driving to and from work to learn more and study. And there's nothing out there. And I thought, who's got... Uh, good technical knowledge and might be interested in doing something similar. So I chose uh, Andy and I approached him. I went for a coffee and uh, I gave him the idea and he was, he was up for it. So uh, we started the podcast uh, about two years ago, about two and a half years ago. And uh, we thought maybe we might get 20 or 30 people listening a month, but it would brush up our knowledge and keep us on our toes. So it'd be worth it. And we're getting about 20,000 downloads a month at the moment. So uh, Good Lord. It's, it's gone, <laughs> gone mad, really. <laughs> wow. It's something that's so niche as well. We're, we're really pleased with it. But th this is the thing, though. I mean, I know from conversations we had, because the situation you, you, you're essentially finding yourself in, though, now, is it, it really – I mean, I've referred to it before as what I call the Haynes Manual of, of the A320. And it, it's it, that really is a good one. I mean, it is literally – it's genuinely – I know people who have recommended it to um, other people who are learning to fly an A320 as a way of helping you get your head round the manuals, essentially. It's, Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, and, that, that's, and that's the market that you aim for. Yeah, that's what the, it was designed exactly for that, for um, A320 pilots or A320 family pilots to um, prepare and study either for their initial training or for any of their recurrent training. Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean... The feedback's uh, been pretty good, so 
Yeah, we're uh, we're very pleased with the progress. Um, we were a bit limited on what we could do uh, over the air because it's quite it's quite difficult, certainly with some of the systems and technical explanations, to do it just through a podcast. So mm. that's that's where the next chapter uh, in the progression came from, which was the A320 Lounge, which yeah. is the video uh, ad that you put on uh, in the break, which is where we. Uh, as you know very well, because you guys uh, helped us with the production, uh, goes to video and obviously uh, podcast completely free, but obviously it costs quite a bit to do the simulator and all that sort of stuff. So, but but uh, to, but to sort of exp- explain what why 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 the sort of like the thing. So obviously because essentially it's quite a jump. So I mean I mean it's still educational based, obviously because the A320 podcast is about sort of educating people about things like single engine go arounds and, and that kind of thing. So I mean where where did the the sort of the idea of of doing it, is it again the same sort of thing like that not really anything out there that that was yes. sort of ticking yeah, well, the boxes. There is um, there are similar things out there but um they're not i don't know if they're necessarily written and produced by pilots or they're they're older and not such good quality a lot of them are just single angle and filmed from the back of the flight deck so you don't get to see exactly which button presses they're doing and things like that so we wanted to make something that was much cleaner and clearer for for people to see and we hope that that's uh what we've got we think so and the feedback from from Cause, the course because it is out there now isn't it you have have released it into the wide world i mean yes, ha, ha, how are you finding it what what what's the interest been yeah so uh we did a pre-launch so we about three weeks before our planned launch date we said that the first hundred people to sign up will get 50 percent off okay. and we were sort of discussing what we're going to do if it gets to three weeks and we haven't sold the hundred, <laughs> um, yeah, the hundred courses because it'll be a bit embarrassing. So we'll have to sort of pretend or do something <laughs> to try and then go. Otherwise, we wouldn't be fair on the people that had taken advantage of the yeah. offer. Um, but we sold out in thirty hours. Wow! So, <laughs> yeah, so okay. we were, we were right. pretty impressed with that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's oh. it's gone really well. So we're. Once it's a bit again, like a Lionel uh, Richie concert, isn't it? When you when you all the, all the tickets sell out quickly, you know, not like yeah, I've been to a Lionel. A Lionel yeah. Lionel Richie guy. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're, exactly. We're aiming at a very unique demographic there, Nev. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's the first and last time that the A320 technical A320 uh, lounge will be linked to Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, 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 think so. I think so. Hello. Sorry. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It was sorry. It was a cheap so, shot. I'll, I'll... With the um, with the AC twenty lounge side of things now, I mean, you've you've got the the the, the training app and, and all of that. And uh, having seen that myself, I'm I'm very impressed with, with how it looks and how it works so well on on the mobile platform as well. And I know that uh, you and Andy have done a lot of work uh, to to make that look uh, really nice. Actually, so I, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, we're quite pleased with the fact that you can use the app as well because then it's uh, you can use it offline as well. So you can, uh, if you're going on a trip abroad or something, you don't want to use your data, then obviously you can load all the lessons onto your device and then uh, you can watch them down route. Or if, if you're positioning, you can look at them in the flight. So yeah, we're quite pleased with all that. And uh, we've got quite a few other things in the pipeline. So... Um, yes, like I say, it's gone really well. 
I'm not sure how well it would work with other aircraft types. It's, the Airbus manuals are so badly written right. um, okay. that, it, that it, it's very easy to get confused. Sometimes if you, people often say you go to study uh, something and you come away knowing less than when yeah. you started because it actually confuses you and causes doubt. Yeah, I I, I I have a similar experience with uh, Cisco routers, Nev. I don't know about <laughs> about you. Is it every every time you pick up a Cisco, I, I sit there and read through it all, and I end up knowing less about networking than when I sat down to 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 read it. It's the same sort of thing. So, so to give you an idea of how much information there is for the average uh, airline pilot, or probably of any aircraft, uh, to know, is that we have the Airbus's manual, which would be like your the uh, the manual for your car that you get when you come through. We then have several manuals that the airline produces, which is how they want you to operate the aircraft with all our standard operating procedures. Um, plus we have multiple other uh, regulatory um, manuals as well, but just the Airbus one, which would be the equivalent of uh, what you get in a car pack is uh, I think it's about seven and a half thousand pages. So it's quite a big wow. document um, and it's written in French by a French engineer and then translated into English by a French engineer. <laughs> so the, the loss mm. in translation yeah, right. yeah. written by an engineer. So engineers think it's great because they understand, but to a pilot, it's not necessarily the best language we would use. So, uh, essentially what we try to do is through our podcast and through the um through the online courses is to effectively translate the fcom into pilot language uh bite-sized pieces and that's that's what we've been doing and we're on uh, episode 83 i think now so nowhere near what you guys are up to but ah, yeah uh, but the difference between what what we produce and what you produce is yours is actually useful uh, <laughs> <laughs> the problem is we have to we have to do a lot of fact checking on yeah, ours because do, yeah. everything you can't make any errors because anyone would jump on you straight away and uh, obviously people are using this to go and uh be tested yes of course like yeah. we obviously wouldn't want the guilt of giving someone the wrong information of course, yeah. getting that in an interview and then um in that so we're we're very fastidious about making mm. sure um, making sure everything's right mm. well i mean it's certainly yeah. been a very fascinating project that as i say myself and never had a sort of a little bit of an insight insight into i mean it, it it's a it's a genuinely a really interesting product yeah you know one of the things i've really enjoyed over the past couple of years about getting into the podcast community really as a listener is how every podcast has its own sort of uh, niche in the market. And I know when you guys came along, I started listening. Uh, I hope this doesn't affect anybody else, but when I have time to pay attention and I want to learn something, I actually listen to the A320 podcast. You know. <laughs> well, what, what are you trying to say, Armando? <laughs> well, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of us are trying to be entertaining. We purposely trying to get not get too yeah. technical yeah absolutely and, yeah uh, and there are times where i'll read an article or i'll, I'll read a uh, an incident report or something and they'll mention a system and i'm very much not familiar with the with mm. the airbus products so usually one of my first places to go to is oh, to, okay. to the <laughs> a320 podcast uh, website and then see if you guys have done an episode on that and it's, oh, it's really interesting 
Yeah, because we've got a search yeah. function on our website, so which I'm sure you're, you've used. Then yeah, you can just search, and it will find any keywords in any of the titles. So you don't have to even scroll through them all. But, yeah, um, that's it. Yeah, I'm actually glad that in, in, you're only doing it every fortnight now because when you were doing it weekly, I really couldn't keep up with it. And it must have been <laughs> quite a challenge for both of you guys with obviously different rostering and this sort of stuff to find the time yeah. to, to produce it. Well, that's the problem because um, myself and Andy, our airline, we have like groups um, of which roster group you're in and me and Andrew are in exact opposite roster group. So when Andy's on days off, I'm always working and vice versa. So it's just mm. so difficult for us to get stuff together. So we try and record them all live as such where we're both on Skype, but sometimes we have to record them separately. So I'll record all of my lines and he'll rec record all of his and then we merge it together. Mm. Um, Very good. So, yeah. And also we wanted yeah. the, qual the quality to remain high and we felt that trying to get one out every week would mean that we'd probably have to try and dilute the quality a bit mm. and make them less specific or less detailed which we didn't want to do so no. we thought rather than compromise on quality we'll compromise on the quantity yeah yes a sensible decision i think to be fair yeah yeah, yeah. and so what what's next for your for your projects matt what's uh what have you got in the pipeline for, for well, this more year, courses think? really so the first one was um about uh acing your lpc opc which is our six monthly check or if you're um, new on the type it's your initial exam after you've done your type rating course um and there's pretty uh regulated uh, schedule for what you're going to do on that so it's pretty much prescribed so we've just done uh, a course on all of those prescribed items that you'll get on that test so um, which is your engine failure on takeoff and then uh, and then single engine approach single engine go around so that's our first um, course and then we're now going to move on to doing all other different subjects on different failures. So they're all, all failure scenarios. And the great thing is, which is not something we considered when we first started out, because the aim was always to do online courses um, eventually. But what we didn't realize is we would gather it by doing the podcast for two years first, we'd gather a huge amount of data. And because we can look at which episodes listen to the most, mm our listeners have already told us without writing a single yeah. word which subjects they want us to do a, a courses on essentially yeah. you can look um really clearly at what is the most popular episode and think well that's the one that people are obviously either most worried about getting in the sim or in yeah. real life and the one that they feel like they're they're uh, lacking on so it's great having that data which is sort of a consequence we went yeah we hadn't thought about so that's that's quite handy yeah i i bet it's because you're a bit of an insider's insider edge isn't it because that's the beauty about it because it is literally you, you literally just look at your download figures and you think okay that's where you know let's start with those modules first and and you know and then you can expand on that as as and when you go uh, tony's asked what part of the a320 flight system do people most have trouble learning um, learning in the first place is probably uh, the autopilot, so any of the auto flight systems, so how it interacts with the different modes, and also the um, flight control laws, which is very specific to um, 
the fly-by-wire system. So for example, uh, on a fly-by-wire system, what you do to the control stick is not exactly what the flight controls on the wings or the elevator will do. So if you, um, you know, pitch up in a normal aeroplane, you would be telling the tail and the elevator how much to move. Whereas on a fly-by-wire, we're demanding a G-force effectively. So um, you're in pitch. We don't actually ask for a pitch. We just ask for a load factor. And the computer works out how much elevator to do for that. And the same with roll, we demand a roll rate rather than how much the ailerons move. So there's lots of figures in that that you need to know. So for example, if we do full side stick, that's 15 degrees per second roll rate. So it doesn't matter what speed you're doing, it will still give you that roll rate. Even if you're, if you're, so if you're very slow in a normal aircraft, it would be more sluggish and at high speed, it'd be more responsive. Uh, on a fly-by-wire aircraft, it will be identical at any speed. So you always have this consistent um, approach. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's all that sort of thing. So especially people that have come from another aircraft type, so if they've come from, um, say, a 737, it's quite hard to get your head around the philosophy of the Airbus because it's so alien to a conventional aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. I know Richard Adams in the in the chat room is ex asking exactly about that. Do you do much sim practice using alternate laws? Um, yeah, quite a lot. So alternate law is whenever you lose two systems of one or two parts of one system. So generally you have three of everything. If you lose one, you normally still stay in the normal law. Uh, if you lose two of a system, that's when you're going to an alternate law, which is where you lose either most or sometimes all of your protections depending on when there's a failure. So for example, like going back to when we talked about um, that Gibraltar incident, so our maximum angle of bank we can get in normal law is 67 degrees. Yeah, so even if you wanted to roll further than that, it won't go any further. Um, cool. Whereas in normal law, uh, in alternate law, then you could do a barrel roll effectively, you're just a conventional aircraft. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's certainly when when the Airbus <laughs> comes up in, in any conversation. That's usually where where I get lost is when you're, you guys start talking about the laws and alternate laws and yeah. direct laws and things like yeah. that. Yeah, so we have uh, normal law, alternate law, and direct law. Yeah, indeed. Very good. Well, that's. Uh, once Sorry, we're, again, no, I should uh, explain we're a little bit distracted because obviously while while we've been doing this, we've been trying to find out as much information as we can about this uh, yeah. this louder motion uh, thing. Well, first, we've got, we've got to thanks Matt uh, mm. for telling us all about how you're doing with the uh, the A320 podcast and, and the projects you've got coming up this year. It's uh, absolutely fascinating. So once again, thank you very much. And uh, I don't know whether you can uh, just um, stick with us for a few minutes whilst we tell you about the latest information that we've got from the uh, Aviation Herald, which is normally the go-to place for a proper aviation reporting, I have to say. And it says that allowed a motion Airbus A320-200, uh, registration uh, Oscar Echo, um, uh, sorry, I can't read that. Oscar Echo LOA uh, performing flight uh, Oscar Echo 327 from London Stansted to Vienna was accelerated for takeoff from Stansted, run Stansted runway 22 
when the crew rejected the takeoff very early into takeoff run after a loud bang was heard. The aircraft stopped about 270 metres down the runway. An emergency evacuation via the slides was performed and a passenger reported that there was a huge bang to, due to an engine failure, a CFM 56, and the aircraft skidded to a stop and they evacuated via the slide. So it that sounds like there's quite a, a low speed uh, abort here. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if it's a loud bang, that's generally associated with an engine, isn't it? I can't think of much else that would cause a loud bang and loud enough for them to reject. And for them to evacuate, you would assume that it was on fire, I guess, or they had fire indications. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. But it uh, uh, looks like everybody's off OK. And uh, obviously, um, there will be some investigation from the AIB at some point yeah. and but meanwhile cool, the yeah. runway is still off, I uh, there you go you see there, there's always there's always a you know <laughs> yeah. so, something at the end of the uh, light at the end of the tunnel somewhere but uh, yeah. looks like everybody's got off safely that's, that's the main so thing. i presume the runway and that is all does louder have those fold down cup holder things <laughs> Yeah. I can see this, this is, is going to be a bit of an obsession we for need you. Investigate. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But I mean, presumably, just going back to the story, presumably, I mean, the the uh, the runway and everything will obviously be closed for the foreseeable, presumably, while this is, I mean, or, or would they just move it some, I mean, I'm not sure. No, keep it there, I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, it's it, it, radar is, 24 and it's just sitting on the runway right now still. So okay. I'm sure they can clean up the slides and then do a, a fog mm. check. And... Mm. Yeah, it's not likely to be... Uh... The, um, just going back to the the incident itself, obviously on the, you, get, you get different reports, so obviously the Aviation Herald is, is the place to go for this kind of thing. But inevitably it's made its way into the uh, the other media as well. Uh -oh. And on the, um, on the BBC website uh -oh. it says, uh, another traveller, Yana, told how the flight attendants were panicked and pretty much caused chaos themselves. Right. This okay. often um, comes up because uh, their procedure is to absolutely scream at the passengers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it sounds pretty uh, chaotic when you hear it, even when you see them doing it in training. But, you know, they've mm. got one target and that is to get everyone off within, uh, I think it's a minute and a half, isn't it, to get everybody off? Yes, yeah, 90 seconds, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. that's right. So and uh, if she says we, we had to basically jump from the plane onto the slide down this 10-metre drop. Yes, good. I'm glad that's you did. Exactly because that's exactly what you, what you do. Well done. I'm yeah. glad you <laughs> well so, done, take, you. Hey, take the box. Well done, you. I yeah. bet she's the one yeah. that brought her trolley case with her. Yes. <laughs> <I bet> she... <laughs> ah, yes. Okay. Possible, anyway, yeah. so there will be more details on that, uh, I'm sure, next week. But uh, as I say, breaking news. Very, very... Uh, uh, unusual that obviously we have breaking news while we're uh, in the show. Actually, before we wrap up, uh, which we do need to start doing, I'm afraid, uh, boys and girls, uh, it has to be said, uh, Armando, that you have a very proud wife uh, uh, on your hands here. Look, there we are. She's just posted this on Facebook a little oh, while ago. God. Look, busy watching her hubby on the telly. Oh, look at that. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I read the Facebook post that went with it. Carlos has just sort of sent it. He's, he's uh, still on his deathbed, I'm pleased to say. Uh, not pleased to say. That was terrible. I didn't mean that at all. But uh, yeah, he just sent me a, a thing from that. It's a bit smushy. It's quite, I felt quite nauseous after I, I read it, actually, if I'm honest. <laughs> 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 must be well, nice must be yeah. nice to have someone who yeah. still loves you eh, Nev? Uh, 
<laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there we I'm are. Yeah. All that. Somebody tell me what that's like one day, eh? Uh, right, uh, it is time to bring episode number two hundred and fifty-eight to a close. Matt, thank you so very much for for bearing with us. I know you've had your fair share of technical no, challenges today as well, and it's been uh, it's been great to have you on as always. Let's not leave it so, so long next time, eh? Yes, exactly. Well, I was saying to Nev the other day, I'd. Uh, like to come on more regularly yeah absolutely so, always really welcome mate so, always welcome yeah yeah definitely now well we'll we'll uh, we'll pass back to you nev it's time to wrap up it is indeed and just like to thank everybody in the chat room uh for participating today so we had a bit of a late start bit of some technical weirdness going on with the old uh, router and internet uh but we'd just like to thank armando as well uh, for his massive contribution to the military side of things that really has made things much better uh, for us so yes thank you Armando so well. nice to have somebody who knows what he's talking about it's brilliant uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, on well. social media Matt where where can they find us uh, so on social media we're at A320 podcast on Twitter and Facebook and we are at A320 lounge on Instagram uh, websites a320podcast.com and if you want to have a look at our online courses then that's a320lounge.com and for Plain Talking UK uh, if you're obviously listening it's youtube.com uh, forward slash Plain Talking UK and you'll find our channel uh, we're live every Friday usually that does change sometimes so the best way to find out when we're going live is to follow our social media you'll find us on Facebook at Plain Talking UK uh, on our Twitter handle is at Plain Talking UK Instagram basically just search any social media platform for Plain Talking UK and you'll probably find us. Uh, T-shirts are available to buy if you are interested. That is www.plaintalkinguk.com and then take yourself to the shop uh, and uh, you can get some very good quality Fruit of the Loom T-shirts there with a logo embroidered on the front and then the screen print on the back. Yes, excellent stuff. Do you know, I was just waiting for Carlos to interrupt then, but uh, no. of course, uh, as, we know, <laughs> as we know, he's, he's unavailable. Yes, bless him. So, yes, yes. It gets, so get well soon, please, Carlos. It's not the same without yes. you, mate. Come on, get well soon. I know. I'm sure it'll be better soon, but anyway, back for next week. But in the meantime, thanks very much to everybody for taking part and uh, take care. Bye for now. Bye, thanks everyone. Yeah.